2: bringing the light of Christ to start your day.
0: This
3: is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Four minutes after the hour, it's Wednesday, November 17th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverence. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's a blessing to be with you and it's always a reminder that every single day, is a blessing. On Wednesdays, we always remember to go to Joseph. We pray to St. Joseph and ask for his intercession, especially in this year of St. Joseph that sadly is coming to an end on December 8th, uh, just less than a few weeks away. Are you getting ready for Advent? Advent begins just a week from this Sunday, and Relevant Radio has a free and a very easy way to get ready for the Advent season and to get ready for Christmas. All you have to do is sign up to receive Father Rocky's Advent Inspirations. These are short, they're compelling daily audio reflections. They're emailed to you every morning, all during the Advent season. Father Rocky covers uh, a variety, a myriad of different topics, uh, from confession to Advent wreaths, the four masses of Christmas, uh, nativity scenes, Christmas cards, Christmas carols, Christmas trees, ornaments, and much, much more. You can sign up for Father Rocky's free Advent inspirations at relevantradio.com slash advent or click on the banner on the Relevant Radio app. As we do every morning to start every show and every hour, we always give thanks to our Lord for the many blessings that we receive and always ask through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio radio. Pray for us, and we invoke the Holy Spirit every single day when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and as we always do to start the day, we have our power scripture from the Playbook of Life, which is from 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. The Apostle St. Paul writes, So faith, hope, love remain, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Loving God is more important than living. Loving God needs to be our number one priority. Loving the Lord takes priority over even family, over money, over our lifestyle, and even over ourself. At the end of our lives, we will be judged by the Lord on how much we loved. As Catholics, we need to be a people of love. All you need to do is look at a crucifix, God the Father loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for you and for me so that we may all have eternal life. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. Now, recently, the Archbishop of Los Angeles, Jose Gomez, spoke uh, via video at an event for the 23rd Congress of Catholics and Public Life in Madrid, Spain. Archbishop Gomez warned against the rise of new political religions and made a comment about how woke activism seeks to replace traditional Christian values such as social justice and the promotion of racial equality. Listen to a part of his message in Spanish, and we'll summarize afterwards.
1: Creo que la mejor manera de que la iglesia entienda lo que son los nuevos movimientos de justicia social es considerarlos como pseudo-religiosos, incluso como reemplazos y rivales de las creencias cristianas tradicionales.
3: Archbishop Gomez's warning against the rise of these new uh, political religions uh, has caused some controversy with people asking the Archbishop to apologize. Now joining us to talk about Archbishop Gomez's uh, warnings about being woke uh, is Catholic Evangelist Omar Aguilar, the Director of Religious Education for Mary Immaculate Church in Farmers Branch, Texas, in the Diocese of Dallas. Omar is the host of several Catholic and pro-life programs on Spanish. Radio and Television and the author of the book Latinos Catholicos in los Estados Unidos or Latino Catholics in the United States. Good morning, Omar. Welcome back to Morning Air. Uh, thanks so much for uh, being with us this morning.
1: Happy Wednesday, John. It's great to be back.
3: We don't play uh, too many um, Spanish sound bites here on Morning Air, but I thought this one was important because it kind of sets the, the, the stage for our discussion uh, and some of these comments uh, that Archbishop Gomez uh, made uh, to uh, his audience in Spain recently. Uh, can you fill us in uh, on the context uh, of uh, what the Archbishop was, was trying to say and, um, and uh, whom he was speaking to?
1: oh absolutely well first of all uh, um, yeah as, as you were saying he was speaking in a Congress in a place where people come to meet and talk about the different ways that we can renew our apostolic spirit how we as Catholics can can engage with the culture with the world with the politics with everything and it is a place where over the last 20 years people have come from all over the world not only Spain to talk about these things to learn about the existence of God the existence of beauty and how we can make this possible in the world. So Archbishop Gomez was speaking in the proper context, in the proper place, placing these ideas before the participants and before the whole world so we can reflect and see and listen to what he's saying. So sometimes, sadly nowadays, because of the power of social media and and newscasts and all of those things, some of the comments, not only from Archbishop Gomez, but we've seen it with the Pope, we've seen it with other priests, we've seen it with other people, Sadly, some of these uh, comments, some of whatever whatever they're saying is taken out of context. But to get us started, uh, Archbishop Gomez was speaking in the proper context, in the proper place, a place where people come to share ideas. And Omar, uh, the Archbishop recognized that uh,
3: this is a, a serious, a very sensitive and complicated uh, topic uh, as he was speaking to uh, this audience uh, of Catholics in, in Spain via video. But he still was, was pretty clear in warning uh, about these so-called woke ideals uh, in, in so many ways, uh, kind of like a Trojan ho- horse trying to uh, replace Christianity.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and all we have to do, and, and, and precisely, he can speak of all of those things because we're living those things here in the United States, I believe, more than anywhere else. And if you just look around and see what's going on in the United States, like, let's take, for instance, radical feminism, right? He preaches that every woman's matters and they fight for the rights of all the women. And yet one of their principal foundation is abortion on demand. So clearly this ideology, clearly this this mentality, uh, is it, it, something is flowing there, right? Because clearly for them, the baby girl inside mom's womb doesn't matter at all. And yet, one of their principles is to fight for the rights of every woman. So we see that yes, indeed, some of these ideologies, some of these woke ide- ideals are truly a Trojan horse there. They're trying to replace Christianity because to sign up, to become part of these movements, one of the first things that you have to do is that you have to reject your Christian values. It was a beautiful reading that you were just reading just a second ago to remind us that what's going to take to change the culture, to eradicate racism and all of these things is to love as much as God is loving us. And and we're going to be to judge in how we love, not how we hate. Because if we look around some of these movements, basically what they're doing is replacing one hate with another. You know, we're, we're getting rid of one scene and then we're just turning around and doing it again. So definitely some of these movements, we need to be careful and we need to be really paying attention. What is it that they're promoting? What is it they're asking me to do? Because sadly, most of these movements, most of these ideologies, the first thing they ask you is to reject the beauty of the gospel.
3: I think you're you're right on, uh, Omar, because uh, the the gospels being replaced with these ideologies, as as you well pointed out, uh, uh, like abortion on demand, uh, as an example. And this is something that is being uh, taught uh, everywhere. Everywhere you look, uh, it's being taught in our government uh, by by the policies that our government is trying to to follow. Uh, it's being taught at, at universities. It's uh, clearly being promoted in the media. Uh, it's being Taught by big uh, Fortune 500 uh, public
1: corporations. In other words, it's kind of like in the air that we breathe, it's everywhere, Omar. Absolutely, you know, and this is when we need to stop and take a step back and say, okay, listen, what is it that uh, I'm, a, I'm Catholic? I'm a believer. I do believe in, in the forgiveness of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. But what that really means to, to to my family, to my community, what is it that I need to be doing? Yes, I need to be fighting for equality. Yes, I need to be fighting for the human right of every human right, including the baby in the womb. I need to be fighting for so many for social justice and all of those things. And And yet, my starting point, it needs to be the cross. It needs to be the gospel. I need to be Jesus-like. But instead, all of these mentalities, what they're trying to do is they're trying to erase our Christian memory. I mean, if we look at the LGBTQ community... They're not only fighting to be accepted, you know, that's long gone. Now what they're trying to do, they're trying to redefine family. Now they're trying to redefine what is to be a man, what is to be a woman. And all of those things are clearly against not only nature, but against the gospel and against the Christian values, against who we are as human beings. So, clearly all of these things even though part of them is good in general they're a flaw and because they're flawed, flaw they're not going to prevail and it's not because we don't want them to prevail because it's reality and because they're not based and once again in in the truth they're not based in the gospel and that's something that we need to be careful because we above everybody else we as catholics are believers. we've been fighting for social justice for equality for over 2,000 years. So, this is nothing new for us. The newest thing is that they're trying to eradicate, they're trying to get rid of who we are and who do we leave. And that's something that we need to be careful
3: um, Omar, um, how do you uh, see uh, these uh, per- uh, perceptions of human life uh, demeaning what it truly means to be a person uh, from a Catholic perspective?
1: Well, you know, we learned uh, from from the very beginning, from the very beginning of Genesis onward, that uh, we are body and soul. We are one unit and we are created in God's image. So the first thing that the human body, that the human person should see in another person is the image of God because our bodies are a gift to one another as St. JP 2, beautiful stated in Theology of the Body, right? And so for us, it is important to recognize that our bodies and our minds, we're not detached. They're not apart from one another. We are who we are since the moment of our conception. And from that moment onward, our duty as mom and father and family and society. It is to protect, it's to nurture, it's to help this life, this person to grow and develop and and become whatever it is that God wants them to become. But what we see nowadays is the total opposite. There's this attachment where, you know, the mind is in one place, the body's in another place. You know, we went from the idea that, yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm born this way to now I'm not even know where I am. I'm not even know who I was Born, and this is very confusing for especially for young adults, especially for the kids nowadays, because they're being fed all these wrong ideas, you know, for early on in their life. And like you were saying, not only in, in, in social media, not only on the TV, but also in schools, everything that they're consuming. And so, this is very dangerous because it's basically breaking down who we are as a person, and that's totally against the gospel. You know, one of the most beautiful things about the gospel is that Jesus went about recognizing the humanity in each and every person that came in close contact with him, right? You see it all throughout the gospel that people floated the streets because they wanted to see him. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to hear him because he was always recognizing each and every person and that's what it's all about it's never about changing who we are it's about recognizing who we are and what is it that we can do to help one another and to become a truly a believer a christian and a catholic we're joined this morning by omar aguilar
3: catholic evangelist joining us from dallas texas we're Talking about Archbishop Jose Gomez, uh, the president of the USCCB uh, who recently made uh, some comments uh, via video to a Catholic conference in Madrid, Spain uh, about uh, warning us about being woke and the woke ideologies that uh, that we see today. You know, the Catholic Church uh, has been a leader when it comes to, to, to social justice. Uh, Omar, how, how do these uh, ideals on social justice uh, from a Catholic perspective, uh, how, how do they differ from the way the world is seeing social justice in these woke movements?
1: Well, one of the, one of the biggest things, once again, is going back to uh, the, since the very beginning, you know, as Catholics, as, as Christians, one of the first things is that we recognize the, the whole person, and not only just parts of it, not only we recognize them when they're in, in need, but we recognize them, you know, in everything that they do and, and, and as they are. And going back to you know we talk about all those these movements, all these ideologies, all of these things uh, fighting and, and you see the violence and you see all these things because people want social justice equality and yet and yet all of these movements not a single one is against abortion and that's where social justice began in the womb, protecting the most vulnerable, protecting those that the voiceless, those that can't speak for themselves. And so when we thought, when we think about and, and, and when we talk about social justice and equality and human rights, we need to remember where it all begins. When it all begins. It begins from the very moment that we're conceived, from the very moment that our existence happens. And so we see that there's a big difference, but not only that, we see that everything that we do as Christian is to honor and love one another. And that doesn't mean that we have to agree in every single issue. That doesn't mean that we all have to think the same way, but we need to fight for one another and once again, going to that beautiful uh, God's providence, uh, that quote from St. Paul that you were reading in the beginning, right? To love, to always love above everything. And once again, we see it nowadays that all of these movements, basically what they're doing, John, is they're replacing one hate with another. They're replacing one sin with another sin. So basically, it's like going back in circles. And that's not What we as Catholics, as followers of Christ do, because if you see it from the very beginning, if you go back to the very beginning, one of the things that was very unique about Jesus and his followers is that they were very disruptive. They were very radical, but it was not because they were fighting one another. It was not because they were rioting, because they were burning down places it was because they were loving. It was because the way they love one another. And this was the shocking thing. No one was used to that. And 2,000 years later, we're called to do the same thing, to love one another, to shock the world about the way we behave.
3: What uh, St. John Paul II called the civilization of love. O- Omar, um, Archbishop Gomez uh, used some strong language uh, referring uh, to these movements as uh, p- political religions, you know, a, a counterfeit to the true uh, a Christian uh, worldview uh, that uh, talks about uh, and teaches about uh, Jesus as being the-, the way to salvation. Here these movements uh, are relying on uh, some uh, Marxist-inspired liberation theologies uh, that are Contrary to, to the gospel, in fact, Pope Francis himself has, has warned us against this in his uh, um, encyclical uh, Gaudete Ex exaltitate uh in recent years. Uh, so uh, we, we have to, to be aware of the reality of what's going on uh, from a Catholic perspective.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, and he said it. And I encourage everyone to read his his whole comment because it's not very long. Because once again, you know, you just listen to a quote and it's like, oh my God, what is he saying? But I encourage everyone, and not only in this case, but in any case, right? When 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 someone is attacking a bishop or the pope, you know that something's up, right? Like, okay, I need to stop down and listen to the whole thing. So I encourage everyone to they can listen it or they can read into it because it's beautiful whatever he's saying, right? He's and he's and, and he's speaking. He came once again from a place of being a witness because this is happening in our nation, in our country, and he said that indeed all of these movements are very dangerous because they, and I'm going to quote him, he said they cannot promote authentic human flourishing. It means that at the end of the day, you know, yes, they're promoting part of social justice, equality, and all those things, but they're not promote, they're not promoting human flourishing. I mean they're not helping society to grow. They're not helping another person to become better. And that's what is so dangerous about these things. And yes, because they're becoming a a form of religion where you're asked when you where you're forced to leave everything behind and, and commit yourself to this way of thinking Even if it includes violence, even if it includes hate, and that's very dangerous for us. So we need to, once again, to be careful and to always take a step back and say, okay, what is it they're they're asking me to do? What is it that I need to commit myself to do? What is it that I'm going to leave in order to join certain things, certain movements?
3: Omar, your your thoughts on on the pushback uh, against Archbishop Gomez by some groups. In fact, some uh, folks are actually asking the Archbishop to apologize to the African-American community for his comments on these woke ideologies
1: well my idea once again is first of all you gotta read the whole thing you gotta you gotta you gotta understand where he was speaking to whom he was speaking and and, and once again just take a moment take a step back and and read and listen to what he, he's saying i mean because he is not lying he is not wrong and now if these comments by Archbishop gomez are heard hurting you are making you feel offended. Maybe you need to reevaluate your ideologies. Maybe you need to reevaluate the way that you're thinking and see if that things that you're doing are correct. Because once again, we are supposed to exchange ideas. This is an opportunity for us to grow, to be better when we connect, when we talk to one another. And if you're not able to do that, maybe it's time to change your ideology. Maybe it's time to become Catholic and believe in Christ. Yeah, and I I thought it was interesting that um,
3: Archbishop Gomez, uh, to put it in perspective, he cited uh, Father Augustus Tolton and Dorothy Day as as a pair of examples of faithful Catholic Americans who modeled uh, this love of God that that you were talking about, uh, love of God and love of neighbor, uh, and what true social justice is about.
1: Oh, indeed, indeed. And, and throughout history, you know, if you're going to look for, for the greatest uh, fighters for social justice, justice, human rights, and equality, and all those things, all you got to look is uh, all the saints, all the saints throughout the history. Too many to name now, but indeed, uh, we are a place where human nature truly flourishes, you know, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, leading by Christ and the gospel.
3: Amen. O- Omar, as always, thanks so much uh, for, for being with us. Really appreciate uh, your insights. Oh, my pleasure. God bless you all. Okay. Omar Aguilar, Director of Religious Education for Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmer's Branch, Texas, in the Diocese of Dallas. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. We're going to go live to the Eternal City for checking in for our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narone, as we do every Wednesday for the latest news from the Vatican on the Holy Father and much more. Stay with us as Morning Air continues after this. Bringing Rome to home. This is Morning Air with John
1: Morales on Relevant Radio.
3: Down each Avenue, Via Street, or Strada, you can see him disappear two by two on an evening in Rome. You gotta love Dean Martin first thing in the morning. Welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance, Thanks so much for joining us. And now it's time to bring Rome to home, as we do every Wednesday at this time. For the latest news from the Vatican, we go live this morning to the Eternal City and our Rome correspondent, Ashley Nerona. Ashley and her husband, John, founded the Truth and Beauty Project, providing Renaissance-style theological formation for visitors to Rome. And of course, you can read much more about them at johnandashley.org. Buongiorno. Good morning, Ashley. Always great to be with you from Roma. Thanks for joining us for another Wednesday.
2: Yes, I am here. And as the year of St. Joseph draws to a close on the 8th of September, Pope Francis began a new cycle of catechesis on St. Joseph this week. And he called St. Joseph a man for our times because he said that St. Joseph can offer all of us support, can offer consolation, and can offer guidance. And in fact, he said that his prayer is that we, each of us, further allows ourselves to be enlightened by St. Joseph's example in our lives. He also looked at the Old Testament. He looked at, for example, the meaning of the name of Joseph, which is Hebrew for may God increase, may God give growth. And Pope Francis said that it's a blessing based on trust in God's Providence, and referring especially to fertility and raising children, so referring to the meaning of St. Joseph's name. He said that this also reveals an essential aspect of Joseph of Nazareth's personality, because he's a man full of faith in God, and faith in God's providence. Then he also went on to talk about St. Joseph's connection to the towns of Bethlehem and to Nazareth. And He pointed out that these are, are, of course, very small places in what he called the periphery. And he said that Bethlehem, the name itself, means house of bread, or in Arabic it means house of meat. And so pointed out the the significance in connection to the Incarnation and the Eucharist. And so he went on from there to talk about how Bethlehem is so key because it recalls the story of Ruth, who was the great-grandmother of David the king. And it's from David that, of course, Joseph traces his roots. And, of course, fulfilling the prophecy of Micah, who foretold the coming of the Messiah from Bethlehem. So he looked at St. Joseph as a man from uh, the periphery reminding all that we should focus on things that are not necessarily as easily perceptible. In other words, things of the Spirit. He said, look around for the sick, the hungry, the poor, and the least. And this is something to do in the example, in the witness of St. Joseph. And then, John, he went on to say that St. Joseph is is truly a master of what he called the essential, because he reminds all of what matters most, and what matters most doesn't necessarily attract attention, but it requires a patient discernment. It's something that has to be discovered, to be molded over, to be appreciated. So he asks all the faithful to pray for St. Joseph's intercession, and specifically for the Church, that the Church may recover that insight of patient discernment. So he asked everyone to go back to Bethlehem and Nazareth in their minds of prayer. And so with that, uh, he also announced that the church in Italy will mark its first day of prayer for victims and for survivors of abuse. And he prayed that this day may help increase awareness and healing and support for survivors, and also for families and parishes and schools, remembering that all have the duty to protect and respect minors who are entrusted to their care. And John, today the the catechesis on St. Joseph concluded with a prayer. And I I will share it with with you, with our audience, and just invite everyone to pray along with me. It goes like this. Dear St. Joseph, you who always trusted God and made your choices guided by his providence, teach us not to count so much on our own plans, but on his plan of love. You who come from the peripheries, help us to convert our gaze and to prefer what the world discards and marginalizes. Comfort those who feel alone and support those who work silently to defend life and human dignity. Amen.
3: Amen. What a beautiful prayer to St. Joseph, and you know, we're really grateful uh, to the Holy Father uh, for calling for this year of St. Joseph. I think a lot of folks have gotten closer, have grown closer to St. Joseph during this past year. Uh, I'm always remembered of that uh, beautiful image of St. Joseph sleeping, the statue of St. Joseph sleeping that uh, Pope Francis himself has yes. talked about and joked about in the past that whenever he has a worry. Uh, He writes it on a little piece of paper and sticks it underneath the statue of the sleeping St. Joseph so he can pray about it while he's sleeping.
2: Well, John, I know that I certainly have gotten closer to St. Joseph during this holy year, and in fact, I pray the—I've used the St. Joseph prayer book, that relevant radio put out, and I pray my daily prayers, and have just loved the opportunity to meditate on the different phases of life of Saint Joseph, to really think about the hardships that he endured with such courage, and of course to use that as example in my own life. So I I just so appreciate the opportunity to become closer and closer to him. It's uh, true, as we heard about today, truly a man of our times, a man of such great virtue, and one of my prayers is for all, all men to become real Saint Joseph.
3: Go to Joseph, and thanks uh, for sharing that mm-hmm. beautiful prayer of the Holy Father uh, to, to Saint Joseph with us. Uh, another Joseph, uh, uh, the former Joseph Ratzinger, uh, Pope Benedict uh, Emeritus uh, met with winners of the Ratzinger prize uh, last uh, weekend. Uh, can you tell us uh, about
2: this prize? Yes, absolutely. You know, John, of course, we're not hearing much about Pope Benedict Emeritus these days, and that is because he is living a a quiet life of meditation and prayer. He lives in the Vatican Gardens in the convent of Mater Ecclesiae. His personal secretary is there, as well as some sisters who take care of the home and uh, his food. So it's nice to to get a little glimpse into the life of uh, Pope Emeritus, And the Ratzinger Prize that you mentioned, John, uh, it goes back to the year 2011, and it was established specifically to recognize scholars whose work demonstrates a meaningful contribution to theology, but always in the spirit of Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger and his writings. So, indeed, he met with four recipients of the Ratzinger Prize at his home, at the Mater Ecclesia Monastery, just a few days ago. They had an hour-long meeting. Uh, The the academics each discussed their work with the Pope Emeritus, and they also prayed a bit together. So each of these—there were actually two winners per year, but this year there were four winners who were present, and that's because— The prize in 2020 was not able to be given for COVID restrictions. And so all four from 2020 and 2021 were able to be there and have this beautiful discussion with Pope Benedict, or yeah, Pope Benedict Emeritus. And, you know, it's interesting. Of course, he lives a very quiet life of prayer. Uh, He's also said to continue to enjoy playing his classical piano. Of course, he is a very accomplished pianist. And he still takes walks in the garden. He loves especially to take prayer walks through the gardens. And uh, John, my husband, John, and I each, as former Vatican employees, have access to those Vatican gardens, and every time I pass, I pray for Pope Benedict Emeritus, and also Wish that we would happen to be out at the same time that he's having a little prayer walk, but it just has never quite happened. Uh, Although we did have the opportunity to meet him many years ago on our first anniversary of marriage, and he blessed our marriage. But so sure enough, uh, nice to get a little glimpse into what. Pope Benedict Emeritus is doing these
3: days, John. What a tremendous blessing to be able to to have your marriage blessed by Pope Benedict, now Pope Benedict Emeritus. Ashley, I have a beautiful photograph in my office of my wife and I during our honeymoon when we got the papal blessing from Pope Benedict just shortly after he became the Holy Father, and he's smiling from ear to ear to my wife, and she's (laughs) smiling back at him. It's a great photo.
2: How sweet. What, what an incredible blessing. I, I certainly remember being just touched and overwhelmed knowing I was in the presence of such holiness. And so we continue to appreciate his writings so much. And uh, of course, those will be unpacked for the next hundred years or so because they are so so deep and beautiful and dense. Uh, we really have... have he's been such a gift to the Church in every way.
3: No question about it. He really was a theologian par excellence. In fact, I ran into a priest just the other day who was telling me that, you know, people talk about being a JP two priest. Well, he thinks that uh, Pope Benedict was a huge influence on his priesthood uh, just mm-hmm. by his holiness and, and his insistence on reverence uh, during uh, the Holy Mass. So, you know... Uh, Pope Benedict has touched many, many lives, and we continue to keep them in our prayers. Um, Ashley, uh, let's talk about uh, the latest uh, with the Vatican uh, finance trial. Uh, What is going on? Uh, I know that Cardinal uh, Bechu is still claiming innocence uh, of any charges Mm -hmm. in that case.
2: Yes. So, John, of course, we've been following this case very closely, and Cardinal Bechu, who you mentioned, is one of the 10 defendants. And this is, of course, the Vatican's largest financial trial in recent, recent history, and it all centers around the Secretary of State's purchase of an investment property in London, a luxury property, and um, it, the trial itself started at the end of July, but it's continuing here in November. Now, just a few days ago, Cardinal Betschew spoke at a diocesan charity event for Caritas. And uh, this was the, one of the organizations that he is alleged to have illicitly given Vatican funds. And he said that uh, during this talk that, of course, I favored my diocese, but he can't quite figure out why this would be considered to be scandalous. And so during this conference, he said he was very proud and very appreciative and happy to have specifically favored Caritas and his diocese. And uh, what what is actually being discussed in the trial right now is his particular connection in the way that he gave funds to uh, an organization that is owned by his brother and is connected to Caritas. So uh, he says uh, his brother was a part of this organization called FIST, and it's said that he gave various loans that did not have to be repaid, to the Spess Corporation, and um, also he was uh, then indicted, of course, on charges of embezzlement and abuse of his office. Uh, some of the money came specifically from Peter's Pence, which is that fund that, of course, is the charitable fund meant to go to the poor from the Vatican. So this is all part of the trial. Uh, very interesting that Cardinal Bechu, as you said, continues to maintain his in- in a sense, he says that the, the media um, is actually slandering him and that this, he was simply favoring his diocese, and there's nothing wrong with that. So that's the latest from Cardinal Betchu. We will keep our eye on this very interesting trial, John.
3: Absolutely, and this is, uh, has been a lengthy process already. Any, any idea how long it's going to take?
2: Mm. Right. So there's a lot of speculation about that because the trial keeps being delayed for one reason or the other. Some are suspicious that this actually could be a ploy so that it never actually happens. Uh, We will see. We will see what's next. So uh, the, the latest thing was, of course, when they turned in some audio testimonies, they discovered that there were some pieces of them missing and so everything got halted again. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, uh, as they say, trial of the century at the Vatican.
3: Ashley, um, shifting gears, uh, the weather is uh, in the news once again in Italy. Uh, I understand there's parts of Sicily that are in a state of emergency mm-hmm. with flooding. Uh, how serious is this situation in Sicily?
2: Well, it's especially around the area of Agrigento. Unfortunately, they have just been hammered by heavy rains. There's widespread flooding. There have been landslides as well. So this mostly centers around the southwest coast of Sicily. Of course, that island there off the, the south of Italy. And so they, the, the local mayor has said, please don't get in your car, don't leave your home. It is just too dangerous right now. There are rescue operations, uh, evacuations have been carried out and uh, part of a, a retaining wall, part of a road collapse and, uh, it actually resulted in several cars just being swallowed up in a sinkhole. And so they are saying that from Agrigento that they are on their knees. They say the town has been destroyed. They do not have an accurate assessment of of the damage yet, but they have asked for prayers from around the world, John.
3: Absolutely. We will keep uh, all of Sicily in our prayers. Uh, Ashley, last week we talked about gelato, uh, this week uh, tiramisu. I understand the king and queen of tiramisu <laughs> has unfortunately passed away.
2: Yes, yes. You know, it's really quite a story, John. So the the couple who is credited as the inventors of tiramisu, their names are Alba Di Pilo and Aldo Campiel, and they marketed, they invented, they marketed that, that very popular dessert at their restaurant, Ale Bechere, which is in the northern Italian city of Treviso. And so sadly, they have passed actually within days of each other. Now, it, it's been said, too, about them, them passing away so close together that, of course, they worked together every day in their restaurant, and it was no surprise to many locals that they should follow each other so quickly in death, too. Now, a little bit of background about, of course, that famous dessert, tiramisu. Now, John, if I translate that name, tiramisu, it means pick-me-up. And, of course, that's because of the coffee. That's an ingredient inside of that dessert because it's a little bit of a pick-me-up. And it's said to have come about uh, by chance. So it was 1969 and Alba was making a vanilla ice cream for her restaurant, but she accidentally added some mascarpone cheese. And so the cheese went into the egg, into the sugar mixture, and she tasted it and realized something almost magical had happened. It was absolutely fantastic. And she then took a Savoyardi, one, a lady finger biscuit. She soaked it in coffee and tried it with this uh, mixture, and it was fabulous. And that is how tiramisu came to be. They put it on their menu, and the rest is history. Of course, people are traveling far and wide since the early 1970s, to try the original tiramisu from Treviso. So now we bid arrivederci to what's called tiramisu's couple, so Alba and Ado. Uh,
3: arrivederci to the the two of them, and yes. now we know the rest of the yes. story. We got about thirty seconds, uh, Ashley. R- real quickly, uh, l- big celebrations in Rome for uh, tomorrow's feast of to the dedication of the Basilicas of St. Peter and Paul.
2: That's right, both. Both of these major basilicas will be celebrated tomorrow, and that means people visiting each. There's going to be special masses at each. People will even make walking pilgrimages to go from one to the other to celebrate these two basilicas, the two largest churches in the world, John.
3: And they are absolutely gorgeous. I wish I could be there. As always, thanks so much, Ashley. Many blessings to you uh, for being with us once again.
2: Oh, it is a delight. Take care, and God bless you.
3: Arrivederci, Ashley Nerona, our Rome correspondent who joins us every Wednesday from the Eternal City. You can listen to her reports on the Relevant Radio app. Just go to Relevant in Rome. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner.
0: Our story today is called I Learned to Love You Today by Bob Perks. You're miserable and probably one of the rudest people I've ever come across. When I approach you, you turn away and pretend I'm not there until you're ready. I've tried a thousand times to make you smile, and you've tried a thousand times not to. I have dreaded even having to deal with you. I even tried coming at another time, only to find you there at all hours. The hard, staid look on your face remains unchanged no matter what day it is, what time it is, or even what season. A beautiful day. It's a moan. Hello, how are you today? Always returns the same. I've given up on you. I've been angered by you, I've even thought about complaining to the manager but didn't. Then one day I caught myself acting just like you and I realized I must stop. I finally resolved myself to the fact that you are who you are and I cannot change that. You're a fact of my life and I must learn to deal with it. You made me. One day I permitted myself to return the emptiness, rude behavior, terrible attitude and silent treatment you chose to say something. I approached the checkout and you said, "'Are you okay?' I was stunned. I could actually feel my brow, my entire face, scrunch up, apparently angry that you'd ask. "'Am I okay?' I said in disbelief. "'Yes,' you replied. "'You're usually so upbeat and chipper.' I stood in this dreamlike state, confused by what was going on. You looked at me and said, "'I depend on you to lift my spirits every time you come in. "'I work three jobs, my bills are piling up, "'my kids need clothes for school, my husband left me, "'and three weeks later I found out I have cancer.' I was speechless. Now you come in with this attitude today, she said. I actually apologized. I never considered that you were much more than a clerk. I never tried to understand. Behind that face was personal pain, life challenges, and loss. Sure, you should learn to separate work and life, but sometimes life digs in, hurts, and you end up wearing it like an ugly dress fits. No no one wants to see it. Knowing how difficult your life is, I will see you through the eyes of love. Love is more than romantic. Love is compassionate, love is kind, love is forgiving, love is seeing beyond the pain. From 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always
3: trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Thanks so much, Glenn. Uh, What a powerful reminder in 1 Corinthians 13. Coming up next hour, our spiritual director today, Father Marcel Tayon, will talk to us about the importance and the power of intercessory prayer, and Professor Harry Kramer will be with us once again to discuss how to lead up. Stay with us. There's much more to come on Morning Air next hour here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.